Welcome nerds, now bracing for an entertainment incursion. Rolling Rockabilly Track Gearing you up with the latest in horror, video games, movies, and TV. Now processing if we should wear capes. Nerds, this will be your finest hour. Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, on this week's podcast, we're reviewing episode three of The Last of Us and breaking down James Gunn's huge reveal of the upcoming DCU slate. And of course, we got to discuss the latest in wrestling. And if today's episode isn't enough for you, don't forget you can get even more Amazing Nerd Show content on Patreon by subscribing to our $5 tier. Doing so, you'll gain access to our Best and Worst of the Week show. Though if you'd like even more than that, additional bonus podcasts will be available for our $10 tier that includes all of the other tiers' benefits as well. Just dropped this week for our third tier listeners was our first annual Nerdy Awards where we gave our picks for the best performances of 2022. Catch our first ever award show on patreon today by following the link in our show notes or simply typing patreon.com slash amazing nerd show all right before we move on make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform if you like what you hear leave a five-star review and if you dm us a screenshot we will not only read it on the show but we'll send you some amazing nerd show swag also don't forget to follow us at amazing nerd show we're on twitter instagram and facebook let's get into the news every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum we're not mild-mannered reporters we're mere podcasters with opinions warning potential spoilers for upcoming shows and movies ahead check timestamps to avoid spoilers you have been warned. All right, well, up first, James Gunn finally gave us a sneak peek at the future of the DCU. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's the first news of Warner Bros. Discovery DCU slate that got presented by one half of the dynamic duo put in charge over there, James Gunn, who revealed 10 new movies and TV shows that are in development. To start things off, however, one of the key things Gunn and company made sure we knew was how the films coming this year may still play a part in the new DCU. In the presentation, Gunn made it clear that characters like Billy Batson's Shazam, along with Blue Beetle, have been adjacent enough to the previous DC universe that there's opportunity to bring them into the DCU, but more importantly, they announced that the Flash will be the hard reset point for which they can you know, build this new universe upon. Yeah, I gotta say, this kind of felt like vague bullshit to me. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like, he doesn't want to, like, come out and say, like, oh, no, half this shit doesn't matter anymore. But, you know, we've got it on the docket, so we really hope you come and watch it. Like, exactly. you know, he, he obviously can't say that. So this was just kind of like his way around it. You know, I could see the Flash, obviously, being the reset button that you know, we all kind of assumed that it was going to be, you know, even years ago, we kind of thought that was like Warner Brothers way of kind of like restarting or rebooting what Zack Snyder, you know, started. Um, but I don't know, man, I, I find it very hard to believe that Aquaman 2 really matters much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, especially since they're not even confirming whether or not Jason Momoa was even going to be playing Aquaman in the DCU, you know, moving forward. So I don't know. Like I think that there's definitely hope for Blue Beetle. Um, yes. I could see them shoehorning Shazam in, but I mean, I think that depends on how well it does this year. Yes. And I mean, at least they're not starting the universe from scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I feel like these stories could fit in. Um, 
especially Shazam, since he doesn't really have any ties to like you know what went down with like the Justice League or anything or or any of the other movies. Um, and I don't know exactly what's going down in the sequel, but we do know that Gil Gadot is supposed to be showing up as Wonder Woman. But I'm sure there's some editing that they can do where they can kind uh-huh. of like you know play it fast and loose. Yeah, but I don't know. Like Aquaman has so many ties to you know the Justice League and everything that's happened in the past that I don't know what the workaround would be. Like I could see Momoa possibly staying on as Aquaman, but I don't think this current storyline is going to still exist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the same goes with Wonder Woman. I you know I could see Gal coming back and playing the character. I just, I think they're going to reboot the character and her story, which is fine. Um, You know, and they could do the same thing with Ezra, honestly. So, you know, if they choose to, you know, continue working with them. But at the same time, this could also be their way out of the relationship. I could see at the end of the movie, Flash arriving in this new universe and, you know, them taking off the mask and it being a new actor underneath. Uh... I just hope that they tell Ezra, you know, beforehand if that happens. Is <laughs> that something they discover like at the premiere? <laughs> well, they've got to, you know, warn the cult too. At the end of the film, it's not going to be that. So they don't know? storm the theater. Exactly. <laughs> I can see them all doing that goofy armed run too. <laughs> the signature run of the cult. That's, they all of have Ezra. to learn how to run like that to be in the cult. <laughs> Oh, Lord. So with this new DC continuity, what can you expect to see? Um, This chapter of the DCU has been designated the Gods and Monsters chapter. And with that, Gunn announced the first big film coming July 11th, 2025, is Superman Legacy. Currently, James Gunn is writing it, but hasn't been said to direct it. Um, The story is said to focus on a young Clark dealing with the duality of being Kryptonian and Earth's protector. Yes, and Gunn is quoted as saying uh, the one thing that, you know, we can promise um, everything from Superman forward, from our first project forward, will be in canon and will be connected. Um, So to me, like that quote sounds like, you know, he's really thinking of like Superman is like the start, the true start of like Mm -hmm. the DCU. Um, I know that there are some shows that, you know, calendar-wise, come before it, but I feel like everyone's gonna kind of like see it that way, if that makes any sense. Because when you look at the announcements in chronological order, it feels like they chose a weird like start point. So I could just, I don't know. It, it feels like everyone's gonna be really considering Superman as the true beginning of this new universe, um, you know, and rightfully so. But we'll get into you know more detail in a little bit. <laughs> Um, what we do know about the Superman film, you know, from his previous Twitter posts is that, you know, it's going to be a younger like Kal-El in the beginning of like his like superhero career. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it should be interesting, though. Um, you know, it, it felt like he kept on emphasizing the hope aspect. So I, I feel like the tone is going to be quite different than what Snyder did with Superman. And all the artwork that, like, Gunn has been teasing the project with is coming from All-Star Superman, uh, which would make sense for the tone that it seems like he's talking about. Um, So I'm curious to see, like, you know, if 
you know, this film is going to be like inspired by that book, which is an all time classic. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at this point, especially like when we go further into this, it seems like everything is heavily inspired by things that I feel like Gunn himself has read. Mm. So I'm, I'm definitely excited to see, you know, just how much off the page a lot of these projects come from. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that's reassuring is that Gunn is a true fan. So, mm. and it seems like the people that he has surrounding him, like, you know, this kind of new brain trust that he talks about later on, you know, are all, you know, have their roots heavily in comics. So um, that's reassuring. Another film in the works and being written by Gunn is The Authority, a bombastic team of heroes that often cross moral lines in order to save the world. While their actions may be villainous at times, they have, you know, the best of intentions. Um, this team already sounds like a perfect fit for Gunn to be playing with in general, but hopefully it still has a, you know, distinct enough feel against, you know, what we've been seeing with the Suicide Squad and maybe even Guardians. The Authority is like a cult classic book. Um, and a real strange choice for your first, like, you know, superhero team. Um, you know, if they truly are the first superhero team in this new universe, and I mean, there could be pre-existing teams already at this point. We know the Green Lanterns are flying around, so. Mm -hmm. um, but for the first, you know, team for us to be introduced to, uh, I I'm guessing that, you know, they're gonna eventually come at, you know, at odds with Superman. Um, if there's a story to tell there, Gunn has gone on to say that this is like a dream project for him. Um, and it really does, like from this slate, feels like he's really like a kid in a candy store here. Uh -huh. <laughs> and they just gave him like carte blanche to do whatever he wants to do, which is great. I mean, you want an artist to create, you know, art that he's passionate about. And that's what seems to be happening here, uh, which I'm fine with as long as it all makes sense and it's well done. But the authority is like... Uh, incredibly like influential book uh by warren ellis and midnighter and apollo are, are fantastic characters and really play as like almost like takes on like superman and batman so it'll be like incredibly cool to like see them on the big screen and again i'm just more interested in seeing if there's characters that are on that same power level as superman out there how he's going to interact with them if they all connect yeah i mean that's what i'm saying like if all these projects are connected i could see that being a big part of like the first or, or second, you know, chapter story, you know, Superman reacting to the authority, you know, and them like, you know, taking things too far and like crossing a line that, you know, he doesn't think should be crossed. While it was confirmed that Matt Reeves, the Batman, will remain in Elseworlds' tale outside the continuity of the DCU, uh, Gunn unveiled that the story that they would be going with with their Batman would be called The Brave and the Bold, and highly inspired by Grant Morrison's run, where we will meet Damian Wayne as Robin in this kind of father-son story, a direction that I wasn't sure we would ever actually get to, or at least it would take years before we ever saw an inkling of you know Damian Wayne in any DC film but it's surely a fresh approach to start with an older batman and a hopefully established bat family yeah i really like the idea of just kind of like dropping us in the middle of batman's story because we all can fill in the blanks at this point right like give mm. me the entire bat family like you know introduce us to them here um i'm assuming we're gonna at least get like dick grayson you know, and you could have like that dynamic between him and, you know, Damien, um, you know, Batman's two sons, really. Um, exactly. And Damien, like especially early on, is such a little bastard. I mean, <laughs> I would 
love them to even explore the story where uh, uh, Dick takes over the cowl for a while when they think Bruce is dead. And then you've got like Damien as his Robin. I just love the idea of Dick having to deal with like the loss of his like mentor at the same time, like trying to be a mentor to Damien, mm -hmm. whether he liked it or not. <laughs> I mean, that would be a crazy way to start off. You not even have Bruce. You have uh, Dick oh, Grayson trying to put yeah, on the I, I don't know if they'll go that far. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But I could see but... like maybe like in a sequel or something like that for a short uh, period of time. But yeah, no, that would be one hell of a way to like start things off if it's like actually Dick, you know, as Batman. Mm -hmm. And he also, I believe, kind of well, debunked the rumors that uh, Ben would be directing the film. You know, I believe maybe he did that on Twitter, right? Where uh, they are in talks with Ben about working together someday, but it wouldn't be on a Batman movie, I guess. What villain would you like to see them go up against? That's a tough question because, you know, my mindset's been, you know, focused on the Batman for stuff like that. So maybe, I mean, I still want to see Mr. Freeze on screen in some form or fashion. I feel like that would be an interesting one for Damien to go up against, but I don't know. I feel like it would have to be someone within like Talia's family yeah. or something like that. Yeah, part of the Assassin's Guild, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you would you would think that like Rayshaw Ghoul would have to like, you know, factor in somehow. You know, depending mm -hmm. on you know where they you know kick off the story. It's just like with a villain that powerful, I would have to like assume more than just the two of them like it would have to almost be the entire bat family going up yeah against. i mean and that could also be part of the story like maybe seeing batman's you know entire family working together you know leads to you know damien wanting to join them but with all that being said it's probably gonna be the joker again <laughs> <laughs> it's always the fucking joker uh-huh <laughs> Also, they announced a uh, release date for the Batman sequel, Matt Reeves' uh, Batman film, right? Yeah, it's going to come out October 3rd, 2025, so we got a couple years away to go. It's almost three years, man. What the fuck? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we should have known, right? Like, he, he's talking about, you know, just starting the script, right? Or, like, being mm -hmm. deep in the middle of writing the script. So, yeah, it's going to be a while. Another Kryptonian will be making her way to the big screen in Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. This being inspired by Tom King's book on Supergirl will show the dark upbringing Kara went through while living on a destroyed fragment of Krypton in comparison to, you know, Clark's country living. It was said to expect this film maybe two years after Superman Legacy, so maybe sometime in 2027. Yeah, I've never read the book and I know he's controversial, but we both like kind of worship at the, you know, altar of Tom King's. So this sounds amazing <laughs> to me, um, it, uh, like a truly different take on, you know, Supergirl. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm probably going to read the book before this comes out. <laughs> so just to see what it's about. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm all for this. Maybe we'll have to talk about it on Patreon or something. Absolutely. Lastly, on the movie side of things was Swamp Thing, in which Saffron claimed uh, the story will investigate the dark origins of the character. But not much else was said just yet about when this might even come out. Yeah, I guess I shouldn't be surprised by this because Swamp Thing is right up like James Gunn's alley. If anything, I'm just surprised that it's coming so early on in like this new universe's like timeline. But, you know, whatever. Like, it, it sounds like he's definitely got a story he wants to tell. And before we move on to like the TV side of things, they kind of implied that this isn't actually all of chapter one. 
Like, this is just what they're ready to announce at this time. So there's probably going to be more announcements, you know, coming at, at some point. Um, so I, I don't know exactly, like, how big, you know, this chapter possibly could be, though, right? Because they're saying that the first two chapters will fit within, like, a 10-year time frame. Yeah. Okay. I'm guessing they still have to, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're going to do, like, a Wonder Woman film, their own version. Yeah. And... I mean, maybe one more big character. You got to figure that's probably, you know, happening either at the tail end of this chapter or in the second chapter, I'm guessing. Yeah. But that also doesn't mean that, like, she can't show up in another film, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think, like, the one thing that these announcements have really established is they're not doing origin stories here, you know, at least for, like, the bigger characters, because even Superman's not getting an origin story. I mean, yeah, it's a younger, you know, Clark, but this isn't like a true like origin story. And Batman, I mean, he's got a son for crying out loud. Yes. <laughs> and most likely two other uh, Robins and one dead Robin. So <laughs> TV wise, we're set to get a Creature Commando animated series. This seven episode run will introduce us to a team of monsters put together by none other than Miss Amanda Waller. Gunn claimed he's already penned the entire first season. And on top of that, he claimed that all the voice actors will play their live action counterparts as well for not only this, but all animated series going forward, at least within the DCU. That almost makes it sound like he's already casted the show, right? It does kind of feel that way, right? Yeah, but who knows? Um, As far as like the voice actors playing the characters like in the films, I'm sure that's how it's all going to start off. But I don't know. I could just see like down the line them kind of wavering on that. Because if they end up like casting some like huge A-list actor... I could see them being like, fuck, no, I'm not doing this goddamn cartoon. <laughs> right? Like, you know, I get it, but I don't know. It, it feels like it looks good on paper, but like, are you not going to cast like this actor that you want if you can't, you know, get them to agree to also do like the video games and cartoons, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I don't see that being a sticking point if, like, some actors, like, no, my schedule, like, even if it's, like, a schedule thing, like, my schedule won't allow me to do all these other side projects. So, um, I don't know. We'll see how long that lasts. As far as the Creature Commandos, um, I really don't know shit about the characters. Like, I, I know they're, like, kind of, like, it's, like, Dracula and the Wolfman and, you know, like Frankenstein's monster and everything, like a monster squad type deal. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what it's it a, is. It's a cool concept. <laughs> I mean, they released artwork and I believe it's actually from the show. Like, that's like we're getting like our first look at what the animation's going to mm-hmm. look like. Uh, I mean, it looks like on par with that Harley Quinn show. Yes. Pretty much. Yes, very similar. Um, all I know is the fucking weasel is in this uh series uh which i don't know man that thing just made my skin crawl you know in the suicide <laughs> squad i do not want to see that thing in live action form again um you know so i it it survives the suicide squad right yeah somehow it survived okay, it all because i was gonna say end. like is this a prequel or but i guess it survived so it could take place 
afterward. Speaking of Amanda Waller, we got a little bit more info on the upcoming Waller series that follows after the events of Peacemaker. Apparently, the now canceled Doom Patrol will see its creator, Jeremy Carver, right alongside Watchmen's Crystal Henry on the series. Along with that news, it seems like Suicide Squad and Peacemaker will not have their canon affected by Flash's reset of the universe. Like low-key, James Gunn basically already rebooted the DC universe with his, you know, Suicide Squad film and just didn't tell anyone. Yeah. Real low-key, <laughs> yes. Is that what just happened? <laughs> Surprise! Um, now, while I'm completely on board, like, for an Amanda Waller series, I am a little disappointed that we're going to have to wait a little longer for the Peacemaker you know, second season to come around. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like we're going to see plenty of, you know, those characters pop up in the Waller show. So it's it's fine. I mean, it seems like uh, DC was interested in really expanding off of Waller and the characters that they've shown in Suicide Squad before all of this, when at the end of Black Adam, we saw an appearance from Amelia Harcourt, Harcourt all of a sudden. It was, I, I, she just randomly appeared at one of the facilities. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised by that, especially after all the success the show had. Fan favorite hero Booster Gold is set for a series that will go over, you know, the character's loser to hero time traveling story. With Blue Beetle on the way, you can imagine their team up is probably something on Gunn's mind. But I know a lot of people are excited that Booster Gold is going to be officially getting his own show. Yeah, but that's uh, Jamie Reyes. That's not Ted Cord. So I don't know. I don't know if Jamie has much of a relationship with Booster. So I'm wondering if James is going to have Ted Court also in the series. Because I, I believe they're both running around as the Blue Beetle. Or at one point they were. Because Ted came back from the dead. Um, mm -hmm. So we'll see. Um, casting wise. They can play fast and loose. Oh, and that sounds like <laughs> what's happening here. Uh, but casting wise. Hear me out. I really feel like Chris Pratt needs to be Booster Gold. And I know that will be <laughs> I know that will be controversial, but he just feels like the perfect fit for that character. He really does. So I don't know like what his Marvel contracts like, but if anyone can nail playing a lovable loser, it's it's fucking Chris Pratt. Like <laughs> I feel like his whole life is really modeled after that fucking character, honestly. <laughs> and I know like the there's some weeks where, like, for some reason, Chris Pratt is, like, the Internet's worst enemy, but it is fucking perfect casting, you know, and he is a James Gunn guy, so I, I could see it happening. I can see that. I mean, even Gunn has said, you know, he has no issue with working with people that he's worked with in the past, like on Marvel projects and such like that, like to bring them over here to DC. So I wouldn't be too surprised by it if he if he showed up as Booster Gold. The other face I've seen uh, coming up a lot for people's like fan casting is Chase Crawford, who plays uh, the Deep in The Boys. Oh, I could see that. That, that I mean, that, mm -hmm. that wouldn't be bad, although he feels like too old. For some reason to me but he's got to be the same age as chris pratt so i think it's, yeah around yeah there. <laughs> but i mean like tone wise for the character like it it is kind of a perfect fit so i understand why a lot of people are you know fan casting him in the mm -hmm. role the lantern project um has undergone multiple transformations at this point but 
Now, it's officially said to still be on the way and feature multiple lanterns, but more specifically Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart in what has been described by Gunn as a true detective in space-like story. Which, you know, a dark take on, you know, space cops definitely sounds like an exciting story to watch, at least. Yeah, I mean, this might be the project I'm most excited about, honestly, out of everything that was announced this week. Um, you know, and I know, like, the previously were working on a lantern series uh with like Belanti, i believe um at the helm but that is no longer happening um this is a completely different project um i just love the idea of like almost like a like a buddy cop you know <laughs> uh -huh. although you know you throw in the fucking true detective element and you know obviously we're not getting lethal weapon here right um <laughs> so like what does that look like um like how dark are there are they willing to go um it should be interesting i would just love to see like hell and john like go up against like you know the, the red lanterns or the black lanterns like that would be awesome i wonder if them going this more you know serious like detective route with this show is like their way of trying to like maybe make it more performance driven than effects driven you know, like they, they're able to downplay the effects when these two characters are more, you know, investigating something rather than fighting you know, all these different. Well, cores. one thing that they emphasize is they want it to be like an HBO Max quality show, you know, so okay. I think they're trying to get away from like that, like CW, like kind of stigma. But I mm. mean, you're not wrong. Like if it's story driven, um, then you probably don't have to rely on effects as much necessarily. Right. Not that that won't be part of the show, obviously, because they're fucking space cops, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if they're trying to solve some kind of mystery or something like that, you know, you don't have to necessarily rely on them, like, going up against, like, you know, the creature of the week, if you will. And then lastly, for shows, they are working on a Themyscira-based show called Paradise Lost that will be a political drama on the island set years before Diana's birth. You know, it sounds very Game of Thrones meets Amazonians, but the series will apparently give an origin into how Themyscira became the secret society it is today. Yeah, I'm wondering, like, how deep they're going to be willing to go into like DC's like mythology because you got to figure that this story will tie into like, you know, different gods and whatnot. So, um, scale wise, the show should be pretty fucking massive. Unless they try to just keep it to, like, the politics of the island. Because, I mean, if they wanted to go huge on it, I mean, they could get the new gods involved yeah, and shit like, like that. Like, other realms could be eventually, interacting. Yeah, I mean, there's mm. so many different routes they could go, so I don't know. Um, but it, when they say Game of Thrones, that makes me feel like they're going to be just kind of, like, focusing on what's happening on the island at the time. Yes. Um, you know, and maybe keep, like, those aspects of the story, like, you know, the White Walkers, if you will, just kind of, like, looming in the background. Where you know they're there, and eventually there's going to be an issue, but they don't have to be necessarily part of every episode. And just so, like, people can wrap their heads around, you know, the new slate, you know, this first chapter... At least, you know, what they have announced so far. What's the actual, like, order of release for each one of these projects? And I know we don't have all the dates. Mm -hmm. Well, as put out by Gunn, it was started off with Creature Commandos, then the Waller series, then it was Superman Legacy film. Uh, then we had Lanterns, The Authority film, uh, Paradise Lost show, The Brave and the Bold film for Batman, 
And then uh, after that, they you know talked about like uh, Booster Gold and Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, and then of course the Elseworlds films like the Batman and such. And that was something that they brought up too, um, the whole idea of the Elseworlds label. Um, you know that DC is still like a multiverse and will still have like you know projects like the Batman and you know the Joker and everything happening. Uh, at the same time as, you know, the DCU, you know, uh, projects that are being released. Um, they'll just have that, like, Elseworlds label on it to kind of, like, differentiate them, you know, from, like, you know, this connected universe that they have going on. Honestly, it's such a simple solution. Like, it's literally what they did, you know, with the comics. Um, you know, I grew up with, like, the Elseworld books being a thing, you know, like, you, they would tell these, like, you know, multi, you know, verse stories, um, and they would just slap on the Elseworld label on the cover, and you would know, okay, well, this is out of continuity. So I don't want to hear any crying, because, like, if, you know, nine-year-old me could figure that out back <laughs> then, I mean adults shouldn't have any issues now with it it's just like when it says in association with marvel that means it's not part of the mcu exactly exactly also gun and saffron mentioned that they have a group working together to help like you know map out the entirety of this like saga that they're you know putting together um and they're calling them like the architects basically part of the group is tom king who you know was obviously working on the supergirl project um, but you also have uh, Drew Goodard, uh, who created Marvel's Daredevil series on Netflix. And you also have Christina Hudson, who wrote Birds of Prey, uh, the Batgirl film that got canceled, and the upcoming Flash film. You also have the writer of the Watchmen series, uh, Crystal Henry, and uh, Jeremy Slater, who worked on Marvel's Moon Knight uh, show. So, but I mean, all in all, I'm excited by all the announcements. Um, and I'm looking forward to see, you know, what else is to come. Fingers crossed for that Mr. Miracle series that I've been wanting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I was James Gunn, that would definitely be on my wish list of projects that I, I'd have to get done. Um, and it, especially if you're already working with Tom King. Exactly. I mean, come on. All right, well, moving on, uh, we've got an update for Star Wars Visions Volume 2. Visions Volume 2 is set for a release this year on May the 4th, with nine episodes featuring animation studios from not just Japan, but across the globe, which should add, you know, a lot of new perspectives and interesting takes on the Star Wars universe. Um, there are people who have worked on Star Wars projects like Justin Ridge, who's best known for his work on Star Wars Resistance and for his work on Avatar The Last Airbender. While there are others who haven't but you know have worked on very different styles of art that we've never seen take on you know something like Star Wars before like Magdalena Asinka who worked on Wallace and Gromit. So this format of spreading out to more than just anime studios should at least add to the longevity of it and hopefully still be as fun to watch as the first season. We also got a Marvel story this week as the rumors of who's playing the Fantastic Four continues. This time industry scooper from the Cosmic Circus Lizzie Hill posted to Twitter that the Green Knight star, Dev Patel, is the now top contender for the role of Reed Richards, which at least feels like an easy fit, but I think a part of me was just getting used to the, you know, 
previous rumored casting of Adam Driver. But hey, there's always, you know, Doctor Doom that he could play as. Um, either way, we hope to see, you know, an official statement from Disney soon on who is playing in the Fantastic Four film. This is currently set for February 14th, 2025. And lastly, we possibly have some casting news for David Gordon Green's upcoming Exorcist film. The David Gordon Green soft reboot of The Exorcist has added Lydia Jewett from Nightbooks and Black Panther, all according to Deadline. Lydia is said to be this film's Reagan, as she will be possessed by a demon of some sort, and most likely vomiting. This is currently set for October 13th of this year, and supposedly will be the first of David's trilogy. Oh god damn it, it's supposed to be a trilogy, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, me too. Why would they handcuff themselves to the idea of a trilogy like wait for the fucking first movie to come out before you like green light two more films on top of it look what happened with halloween well, they obviously like they didn't learn their lesson exactly <laughs> they probably made this deal before the last movie came out they're like oh okay he's he's gonna roll here he can do they it must again. have made this deal after like 2018 though like you know halloween uh -huh. 2018 because <laughs> i can't imagine them watching you know halloween ends and halloween or halloween kills and halloween ends and deciding oh yeah let's give this guy another fucking horror franchise to fuck up and like this is a a, a requel right just like halloween right uh, halloween 2018 where it like she the girl wouldn't be actually playing reagan she'd be a different character yeah yeah, yeah. she'd okay. be like i meant like as this equivalent to, to oh, okay reagan. okay all right, I got scared for a second, but that's right, because <laughs> Alan Bernstein is actually part of this yeah, film. Yeah, she's supposed to be, like, helping somehow yes, for some reason. Yes. Okay, whatever. I mean, maybe it's going to be awesome. I hope it's awesome. Like, I want these movies to all be awesome, but I definitely have my doubts. Yeah, it'll be okay the first one, and then it'll get worse the second one, and then it'll be trash the third one. You, you're, you're way more optimistic than me. <laughs> and now for the nerds review of episode three of The Last of Us. Spoilers ahead. You have been warned. It feels long. I'm letting you go, so go. All right. Look, first, my name's Frank. Oh, yeah? yeah. Here's the thing, Frank. If I feed you, then every bum you talk to about it is going to show up here looking for a free lunch. And this is not an Arby's. Well, Arby's didn't have free lunch. It was a restaurant. So I thought this week's episode was an example of next-level storytelling. It was just so beautifully crafted. Um, we start off with Joel and Ellie alone for the first time, and you could tell they're still, like, processing the events of last episode's, you know, big loss. Um, and, like just right off the bat the balls on Ellie to you know right away tell Joel listen this situation sucks but you're not gonna take it out on me so let's get on our mission um I just loved like seeing their relationship like slowly develop um the show you know then does this wonderful job of letting the environment or locations like tell the story of the devastation of what happened um you know from the plane rack to the mass grave of 
innocent, uninfected people. It's just so haunting. Um, and I love that they use Ellie's like natural curiosity and her questioning everything to really like help fill in the blanks for us. Um, it never feels forced or contrived. And just when I'm thinking that we're not getting a flashback sequence this week, they end up transitioning us to the past using the most heartbreaking device I've seen in a while, a baby's blanket in a mass grave. Fucking bastards. Um, and then we meet Nick Offerman's character, Bill, and I'm thinking, okay, we're seeing this crazy survivalist origin story before, you know, cutting back to the present day. But instead, we get like the equivalent of the zombie apocalypse's version of, you know, the intro to Up. Um, as we watch this beautiful love story unfold over two decades, and as the story is wrapping up in this like gut-wrenching yet perfect conclusion, they find a way to bring it full circle as Ellie discovers Bill's suicide note, and we see Joel crack for the first time as she reads the letter out loud, and Bill is talking about how important it is for men like them to find their purpose and to protect it at all costs because it feels like Joel's realizing how much he's lost personally. And it's just this emotional gut punch, um, especially knowing what he's already, you know, gone through with his daughter. I mean, this is some heavy stuff. <laughs> I mean, there's no doubt that Ellie will become Joel's new purpose, obviously. But my God, like, you know, we're only a month into the year and like episode three of The Last of Us has already set a real high bar for any TV series to reach. But yeah, just a beautiful episode. No, it really was a great foreshadowing tool for them to use, you know, that note, not to only get this emotion out of Joel that, you know, we haven't seen so far, but also really just lay the groundwork for the relationship that's, you know, going to flourish here between Joel and Ellie's characters. I really thought that they, you know, while they completely diverted this character from what he did in the game uh, to tell this story, it really shows like, you know, this is a, you know, a longevity of love between these two characters that, you know, probably is going to imprint over to Joel and Ellie's relationship as he wants to have that mission of protecting someone finally and not failing as he as he feels he has in his past two you know relationships now um, I, I definitely thought that was a great way of changing things if they were going to change things like I, like I said at the beginning you know if they're gonna do things and as long as it's done well I'm gonna be happy with it and this was a fantastic way of changing you know something that was from the game you know in the game it's just a mission it's a level you know where you you know you run into this guy who's you know definitely been torn up by being alone for all this time and you know it's while it is heartbreaking in the game this is on another level to me at least and definitely something i didn't expect i was disappointed like you were that there wasn't like that another opening crawl this one but man damn was that just out of nowhere 180 to the past and we just went with Bill for so many years. Uh, it was just a really great change of pace here. Yeah, I mean, as long as it doesn't like betray the essence of the source material, I feel like good storytelling is good storytelling. And like from what I'm gathering, like listening to other people talk about, you know, the story of the game, like this does nothing, like this episode does nothing, but like kind of like, just add a different like a deeper level to things that happened so exactly 
you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I know. I'm sure there are people out there, you know, griping about it, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Let them stew. This series is fantastic. Yes. So far, knock on wood, right? No, I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm so jaded. Um, in the middle of the, you know, the episode when uh, Joel and Tess show up on the compound, I totally thought they're going to end up killing Bill and Frank. You know, like, I was, I was like, oh, no, this, you know, this story is going to be like an example of just like, you know, what this new world has done to people. You know, because like Tess, you know, mentioned multiple times, actually, you know, to Ellie that, you know, they're not good people. You know, they've done bad things. And I thought, oh, my God, they're, they're going to show us some of the bad things that they've done. Uh -huh. here. And I, I'm so glad that <laughs> I was wrong. Because I was like, oh, man, I, I don't know if I'm prepared for this shit. Like, like I knew Ellie at some point actually, you know, meets Bill. So I was like, OK, I was waiting for something bad the, to happen in, to Frank. In the game you're talking about? Yeah, they both, uh, Joel and Ellie, both see Bill. So I was like, OK, I, maybe Tess and um, Joel are responsible in some way for Frank's death. So I kept waiting for them to, like as you said, rush the compound and attack them and maybe fuck them up somehow. But uh, no, yeah, it, it, I, I like that it still came out this way. Yeah. But I'm, I, we, I'm assuming we're going to see something of Joel's past of him doing wrong throughout this show. Oh, I'm sure. In some way. I'm sure they're going to be, you know, things implied or hints at it. Mm -hmm. so. Because it sounds like you can't survive this long, you know, in this new world without getting blood on your hands. I will say that moment in the uh what was it gas station or truck stop where ellie goes and kills that guy or kills the clicker i should say that was very uh <laughs> it, it, it felt at least a little a little murderous <laughs> yeah yeah it felt like you know the, the neighbor kid who like kills small animals in the yeah. backyard right like <laughs> the kid you worry about when your cat goes missing um yeah i i don't want to ask any questions in fear of getting spoilers, but I, I'm just, I, it felt like that was definitely leading to something. So, um, but yeah, I, I don't want any spoilers out of you, so I'm not going to ask anything else. <laughs> and now a quick word from our sponsor, Manscaped. Hey you, got bush? Well, you definitely do if you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor today, Manscaped. Taking control of your bush is important. These products are so good, you're going to be showing pride in your new bush-free yard. It's a fact that you'll have the best-kept nutsack on the cul-de-sac, so save big and be the most hygienic version of yourself by using our discount code 20NerdShow for 20% off plus free shipping at Manscaped.com. Listeners, you know I don't got bush because Manscaped helps keep my rocket raccoon high oh, and tight. Yeah. Whether you're looking to go bald like an eagle or just in need of a safe trim, Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. Listeners, the grooming package I highly recommend is the Performance Package 4.0. That's because inside the package is the Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is a bush's worst nightmare. This trimmer is designed to reduce grooming accidents and shave hair on loose skin 
thanks to its ceramic blades and advanced skin safe technology. No need for night vision goggles, this trimmer has a LED light to allow you to mow the lawn in the dark. It's basic landscaping. When you trim the hedges, the tree stands taller. The second best tool in the performance package is the Weed Whacker. This fine-tuned nose and ear hair trimmer will make sure your nasty nose pubes are under control. Instantly add some pep to your step with the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Spray-On Testy Toner. With a performance package purchase, you get two free gifts, a shed travel bag and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped boxers. They have a bunch of other products on their website to help you maximize your confidence and grooming game. So listeners get 20% off plus free shipping with our code 20NerdShow at Manscaped.com. Kate Bush may be trending at the moment, but your bush needs some help. That's right, so make sure you're running up that hill and get 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com by using our code 20NerdShow. It's time to level up your grooming game with the ultimate bushwhacking tools from Manscaped. And now it's time for Christian's Corner. This week in gaming, it was brought to light that none of the big three companies would have a floor presence at E3, let alone a press conference itself, with only Xbox still showing interest to have a big show at any type of event um, during the summer, it really seems. Phil Spencer uh, from Xbox spoke with IGN that they are more looking to have a summer showcase in line with, with the June news dump, as that will be more of what media outlets would come to expect from the big game studios. But he skirted around the idea of actually being at E3 itself. Which, if Xbox isn't there, this may be one of the biggest blows to the event, as Microsoft has been one of E3's biggest supporters. With this year to be their big return to you know a show floor, you have to imagine interest for the event will drop significantly without its heaviest hitters. That isn't to say that third-party companies and indie studios couldn't fill the void you know left by them. You can imagine EA, Square Enix, and Ubisoft you know trying to take full advantage of the fact that they will most likely be you know this year's biggest draws. And then there's you know Embracer Group who has been purchasing a ton of studios and probably would want to make a big splash for 2023 but overall since 2020 it's felt like the writing has been on the wall for e3 you know this thing that once was called you know mecca for gamers but outside of E3 updates, we did get another story about the release date change for Jedi Survivor. The game will be shifting from its March release to about six weeks later on the 28th of April. Um, Respawn and EA claim they're striving to release the best experience they can, so the delay is simply to put more polish on it before release. Which, while that may be upsetting for some of you, I think that you should at least be happy with the fact that a company like EA is even you know, willing to consider giving their game time to come out finished for a change. Um, it's clear EA has a lot of faith in the team over there at Respawn, and like all and like I always say, a delay is never a bad thing, especially when it comes to making games. Just put it this way, at least it wasn't pushed till next year, but we will see if there's any further news that comes out before this game launches in the next couple months. Another story before we move on is that there was a rumor recently that Insomniac's next big title after Spider-Man, The Wolverine, could be out fall 2024. This story comes from Giant Bomb's Jeff Grubb, who claimed he had sources stating the team over at Insomniac are looking at this release window for 2024, though it's also heavily been thought to come out in 2025 as well by the folks on that team. Again, you know, Insomniac has done a fantastic job with the Spider-Man games so far, 
So seeing them tackle Wolverine is something I'm extremely excited for. It's been said that they're going for a more R-rated experience. The only time will tell what this game actually looks like and if we'll actually get an official glimpse this year. For now, we just got to play the games that we actually have. And I've been currently playing Horizon Forbidden West, uh, Dead Space, and Hi-Fi Rush on stream. So make sure to stop by each weekend when we go live to play these games. Um, this Monday, we're planning on doing a fun late night stream to help predict next Sunday's Super Bowl in Madden and maybe get a little drunk in the process. So make sure to leave us a follow so that you can get our live notification and make sure to check us out on Twitter at AmazingNerdLive for all the updates to our streams. But okay, enough of that. Let's move on to wrestling. I advise you to enjoy everyone rising and bowing down to the queen because they're about to rise to Rhea Ripley. At WrestleMania, I put you in your place. All right, Christian, this past weekend, we had the Royal Rumble, and we both watched the pay-per-view, although they're not actually called pay-per-views anymore. They're called, like, premium live events. Okay, you learn something yes. new every day, I guess. Some uh, corporate speak for you, Christian. Um, uh -huh. but, <laughs> um, you know, this is our first WWE pay-per-view in a while, though, right? Probably yeah, um, Survivor Series, maybe? Or no, I watched Survivor Series. I mean, Series. you watched you it. Didn't I, watch. haven't, I haven't watched it since, like, WrestleMania, my dude. Yeah. Like, I haven't seen shit. Okay, yeah. We definitely Ugh. haven't talked to WWE, like, pay-per-view on the show in forever. So, mm. um, but that's going to change today because we're going to at least talk some highlights, right? Um, yes. You know, Christian, did you actually have highlights for the show? Um, I really enjoyed the men's Royal Rumble uh, to a point. Okay. Uh, because I hated that Cody got 30. Uh, I felt like he should have been in, like, at least by the teens. Yeah. Um, it, it, we all knew he was going to be in it. Why Why do this? Why put him at 30? Yeah, you know, I, I agree 100%. Um, I feel like as the baby face, like he needs to endure something. I'd rather have had mm -hmm. him like show up probably 15 or so. Um, I feel like you're playing with fire there, especially having him go up against, you know, especially having it come down to him and Gunther, who, you know, literally started the rumble at number one. Yes. So like. You know, in my eyes, like, Gunther's the fucking babyface. He's the one who's, like, earned the right to be, you know, in the final two, where Cody literally just, like, walked in the shit. Now, I will say they were smart about it. They had, like, you know, them literally almost wrestle a match, like, you know, yes. after, you know, <laughs> it came down to just them. Although I will say they were smart about it because after it came down to just those two, they pretty much wrestled an entire fucking match. Like they went something like seven or eight minutes and Gunther mm. was kind of like the perfect opponent for Cody to have to go up against um, because of, you know, his arsenal, which is all fucking chest chops. <laughs> and with Cody coming off of that fucking peck tear, it's like, well, we're going to, I didn't even think of it. We're going to test yeah. this bad boy out. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> um and he passed with flying colors i guess um you know 
depending on who you ask, because I mean, I'm sure he felt like shit in the morning. Um, his chest almost looked as bad as it did at the Hell in the Cell afterwards. <laughs> but I agree with you 100%. I would have booked it a little differently. I would have had Cody at least come out in the middle. And I still think I would have had Cody be a surprise. Um, you know, this Rumble didn't have many surprises. I think we had like Edge mm-hmm. coming back. We had Booker T. And that's pretty much it. And I, I'm fine with that, honestly. Um, like, I don't think you needed tons of, like, surprises, um, but Cody's one I would have kept a surprise. Um, because I, 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 I like the fact that they trust their roster now. You know, it's not like years past where they, you know, they're, they're, they've, like, just didn't bother to invest in the roster and really, like, push anyone so they had to rely on a lot of like former stars to come in and like you know make the event feel big um that wasn't the case here i thought this was wwe actually like showcasing their talent which is the way it should be right i mean you're not gonna make superstars if you just keep on you know bringing the past in to get eyes on your product um you know, eventually, I mean, even Lesnar didn't like clear the ring. Yes. You know, he had a few great moments, but then he got eliminated immediately. Yes, and so. I guess he pissed a lot of people off. Apparently, that referee he chucked into the crowd. He wasn't supposed to do that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> great. Yeah, not for that guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it like fucks some shit. Like, I guess that guy was supposed to be the guy who like actually like raised cody's hand at the end so like it screwed up some <laughs> shit and like and the guy actually like injured his foot apparently so jesus yeah so i mean uh, allegedly um but yeah yeah you know brock's gonna brock right um but yeah overall i thought it was a well put together match i liked like sheamus and you know gunther starting the thing off i thought that was perfect but especially after like both of those guys, you know, had a lot of people's match of the year last year. Um, so I thought that was really smart. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it was fluid. It, it kept on moving. Like there was never any real downtime. So all in all, I thought it was a pretty entertaining rumble. And at the end of the day, I felt like the right person won. Like I wanted Cody to win. Um, so, yes. it, you know, they didn't throw us a curveball just for the sake of, you know, swerving us. You know, they did what made sense for the story. Um, and I thought it was brilliant having it go on first because then you kind of take Sami Zayn completely out of the equation, which was a lot of people's concern. Like, is Sami Zayn going to end up being kind of like this dark cloud over the rumble? Like, will fans revolt? Um if they feel like Sammy is somehow being wronged um, by not being allowed to enter in the Royal Rumble or like having him enter in the Royal Rumble and having him get eliminated, um, you know, because we've seen that in the past. But I do feel like this audience right now, WWE's audience is very different where they're more willing to kind of like let things play out um, than they were like previously. Um, so um, so that wasn't the case. You know, and like the fact that they established like on the pre-show, I believe that, you know, Sammy would be staying by um, Roman's side all night. Like, I think a lot of people just kind of assume that, you know, that's where Sammy was, um, knowing that, you know, 
the main event was going to be Roman versus Kevin. And I think having that in the back of their minds really like placated them, you know, knowing that, you know, they're still going to see that storyline play out in the main event. So there was more to come. So am I like safe in assuming that you enjoyed the men's Royal Rumble more than the women's Royal Rumble then? I think for the most part, just because not as much happened, I felt, in the Women's Royal Rumble, other than, you know, I was playing a drinking game, and one of the caveats was uh, point uh, if they point at the WrestleMania sign, you drink, and for some reason, every woman that entered the Rumble wanted to point at the <laughs> WrestleMania sign at one point. So you were, like, legally blind, like, by, like, halfway through this match? I, I, I sobered up. Uh, sure. <laughs> So overall, I enjoyed the Women's Royal Rumble. I think it was probably better than the last couple that we got. Um, and that's without, once again, you know, without many, like, surprises. I mean, last year they were just ridiculous with all the returns. Um, and I think that was just more of a product of them just not having that big of a roster at that point because of all the fucking layoffs. Um, yeah. But this year, I felt like they did a decent job of, like, highlighting the talent that they actually have on the shows, um, even though the way that they've been, you know, featuring the talent on the actual shows have been a little lackluster. Um, I felt like, you know, with the Rumble, it helped remind me just, like, how talented, you know, WWE's women's division really is. Um, they just have to fucking book them right. Um but yeah, like I loved everything with damage control. I thought they were operating the way a faction should be in, you know, this kind of match. Um, you know, just, you know, taking people out left and right. Um, you know, when Becky came out, I was like, oh shit, I for some reason totally forgot Becky would be part of this match. Because um, I started to get worried that she was going to be the one who actually, you know won the whole damn thing um because i mean who doesn't want becky lynch and you know one of the you know women's main events but yeah exactly um you know it, 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 it that would have been a bad thing but i just felt like you know this was ria's time you know and luckily you know that was the case like you know becky ended up you know getting eliminated by damage control and that feud can continue i have no idea where that thing's going though because i feel like they've been feuding forever now um but you know Rhea is going to get her rightful place in the main event at you know wrestlemania um you know for uh the women's title um so i i i was i I don't know. I was satisfied with the women's, you know, rumble. I did feel like it was a little formulaic. It felt like, you know, like someone would come out, they'd get in the ring, they hit a couple spots, and then it would just like fade in the background, you know? Mm -hmm. And that just happened over and over again. Like they didn't tell enough like stories, you know, throughout the match. Um, and then we had fucking Nia Jax come out. Um, which at least was a happy ending, I will say, with everyone just ganging up on her and tossing her out right away. But I was... It's not happy enough because she's still signed. Is like... that, now, that hasn't officially been confirmed. You know, okay. I know that they released a shirt, which got everyone, like, you know, terrified. Um, but we haven't officially heard that she's 100% back with the company. So we'll see. We'll see. Um... But yeah, what are you what are you fucking thinking? Like, Jesus I don't Christ. Know, man. As number like, 32. You know, we don't have enough injured <laughs> women on the roster right now. Let's bring back Naya. 
Oh, my God. I, I totally forgot to bring up my favorite part of the rumble. It was the return of Asuka. And it seems like she's playing uh, her uh, Kana persona. Right? Um, what was it? Uh, murder Clown or something like that? Yeah, Kana the Murder Clown. Uh, that The makeup was sick. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it felt maybe not as like dark as other versions of the character that i've seen um like maybe they like wwe did a little right (laughs) but it still looked awesome uh and she got a huge fucking pop when she like revealed like you know the new face paint and everything i'm curious to see where they you know take her character now because she's definitely needed like a fresh coat of paint for a while um just gonna get fed to alexa oh, WrestleMania. shut your fucking mouth <laughs> oh my god i'd be furious because i you know i was p- pulling for Rhea uh throughout most of the match but when you know oscar mm-hmm. came in i was like oh shit i kind of want oscar to win now <laughs> i was like you know i could see that actually happening because this is triple h's regime kind of like resetting mm-hmm. his creations back into like his vision if you will um so I'm all for Asuka being a killer again. Now, we did find out uh, on Raw that Rhea will be challenging Charlotte uh, for the SmackDown world title at WrestleMania. Uh, thoughts, Christian? Um, how do I feel about it? I don't know, man. I, I'd rather her face off with Bianca. I thought that would have been the, the better match between the two. But, I, I mean, she has history. There's a story there with charlotte where she wants to get one over on charlotte on um, charlotte so it makes sense but you know the the big match to me was bianca no i agree um and it feels a little weird for her to go after charlotte i mean well i guess that's not true but it just feels like if she's going against charlotte regardless of charlotte being a baby face right now the crowd's gonna fucking cheer for Rhea. um Mm -hmm. and i'm wondering you know, maybe WWE realizes that and they know, like, it, it's not going to matter either way for Charlotte. Like, they can turn her heel and face at will where, you know, maybe they're being a little protective of Bianca where they don't want that crowd to side, you know, with, you know, Rhea over Bianca right now. Um, I you guess. know, I mean, Bianca has tons of fans, don't get me wrong, but, like, Rhea is extremely hot right now. Um, so I could see them like, well, we could have two super over like champions right now, you know, if we play our cards right. Um, you know, I, you gotta hope and pray that, you know, Rhea's going to go over here. Um, it, it, it still like bothers me that she didn't, you know, when they first met, uh, there was, a mm. was that, uh, the COVID WrestleMania? Yeah, it was for the NXT title, too. See, and, you know, that match was actually good. It's just they didn't have a fucking audience. You know, that, that, like, that's literally a WrestleMania I'll never go back and watch. You know, it's, I feel bad <laughs> saying that, but you remember that was in the Performance Center. Mm-hmm. It was so fucking bizarre. Maybe I will. Come on, not even for uh, the Kevin Owens maybe, spot Maybe off I the will sign. go back and watch it now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you remember they did that whole, like, angle where, like, like Big Show came out after Drew won uh, the title and challenged him, so Drew ended up having to have no. two oh, fucking. Yeah, men. Like, what is this? What are you doing? Like, <laughs> poor Drew. And that was poor fucking Drew. Uh, that was Edge versus Orton, yes. right? Yes, I think they're still yes. actually wrestling right now. 
That match went for like an hour. Uh-huh. Speaking of Edge, like he barely got a reaction at uh when he, you know, made his return at the Rumble this year. Um I, I feel like he's just like you know, done this injury angle thing multiple times. I mean, not the original return, obviously, where he was legitimately out for, you know, eight years or whatever. Uh-huh. But like since he's returned, like it's almost a trope at this point where like after three months he gets injured because, you know, they only have him for a certain amount of dates. So they have them like work an injury angle. And then like, you know, three months later when, you know, they need him back on the show, you know, he makes some grand return. And like after the fourth or fifth time in a, a three year span, it gets a little old. So I don't know. It just was weird to me that it was just, I don't know, so quiet. But, like, once again, like, even at the Rumble, like, this WWE crowd is so different nowadays compared to, you know, just, you know, before COVID, if you will. Um, Like, you know, at times, like, you know, recently, like, watching, like, Raw and SmackDown, like, they pop for, like, you know, the big stuff. But, like, everything else, it feels like they're just, you know, super reserved. And I don't know if I just got, like, used to watching, like, AEW and just, like, a lot of times, like, those audiences are just on their feet the entire show. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's just... You're getting awesome chance at handshakes. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> um, but, like, I don't know. Like, it's just a different experience watching WWE nowadays, you know, comparatively speaking, if you will. So, I mean, they're doing fantastic, obviously. Um, and the crowds are coming out in droves, but, you know, they just don't react the same. You know, they they just don't feel as, like, I don't know, passionate about, you know, the shows, at least, you know, when they're watching them live. Online, that's a totally different story. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but you know what they were passionate about? Sammy fucking Zane. Yes. <laughs> I actually, like, I was thinking about it this week. Like, this might be one of the best, like, WWE like storylines of all time. I can't think of another storyline where they've had so many like twists and turns and like there's just this almost like unpredictable like nature about it where they never fail to surprise me exactly, you know, with what's coming next. Like even with this week, like we saw the writing on the wall and we could tell that, you know, things were going to finally come to a head, you know, during probably the the Roman and, you know, Owens match. And I just didn't like foresee like the depth of the story or like the next chapter it was going to like lead to. Because even though they've like told this great story, I just kind of assumed everything was still kind of like on that surface level and that, you know, one side's playing the other side and that everything's going to be pretty cut and dry at the end of the day. Um, You know, like either, you know, Sammy is really, you know, working with Kevin or, you know, it's a case of the bloodline just using Sammy and that, you know, at the end of this match, you know, they would no longer have a use for him and, you know, cut ties. But like what we got here was like, you know, a Shakespearean like drama, like playing out (laughs) in a wrestling ring. (laughs) Like, the way Roman looked at Sammy just so disappointed and, like, he felt like he was really, like, you know, brokenhearted that, like, Sammy betrayed him. 
um, the way he was like, why I we I let you and my family hot, like just screaming at the top of his lungs. And then just like watching Sammy, like being torn apart by like the, the choice he has to make. And like, you could tell that he's literally torn. Like he doesn't know what he's going to do. Like he, he if he mm. could, he would just walk away. Um, you know, he doesn't want to have to make that choice. Um, I don't know, man. It was just so well done and so well performed. And then, like, you have Jay, you know, which was just the the cherry on top of everything. And then you have Jay refusing to participate, you know, taking out Sammy and just, like, literally just walking away from his family. I mean, my God, this was like an HBO Max, like, quality drama (laughs) unfolding here. Um, You know, Uh so, like... Roman, you know, wins the match. He brutally takes out Kevin. Like those fucking stair bumps that Kevin was taking was insane. Yeah. Was like the back of the head. That was insane. I was like, my God, what did fucking Kevin Owens do to you, Roman? <laughs> like this guy has children. Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> does he owe you money? Like he was like, it literally looked like he was trying to fucking kill Kevin Owens. Mm-hmm. Um, But then like, you know, he gives, you know, at the end of the match, they handcuff Kevin uh, to the ropes and he gives the chair to Sammy and Sammy's reluctantly like, you know, helping but not helping. And, you know, he, you could tell he doesn't want to attack Kevin and, you know, and like finally, like basically Roman forces him to choose. And like the only reason it feels like he he truly chooses to attack Roman is just to stop them from killing Kevin. Like, it it feels like he wants to be in the bloodline still. It's not like, oh, well, I was just trying to pull the wool over your eyes, you know, and I'm really, you know, secretly siding with Kevin. No, Sammy wants to be part of the bloodline. You know, this wasn't a big ruse. And really, like, Roman being so paranoid that he just can't see that for what it is. Um... Because the way Roman reacts to, you know, Sammy's betrayal, which was really like a callback to what happened to him with the shield also, like the way they shot it and everything, (laughs) just beautifully done. Um, You could tell, like, he's heartbroken, like he really does feel betrayed by Sammy and, you know. The way he's just yelling at him, like, you know, I let you in my family. This is what you do. Like, you know, it it feels like Roman also wanted Sammy to actually, you know, take out Kevin. That, you know, that he wants Sammy to be part of the bloodline. (laughs) But because of his serious fucking trust issues, you know, it it, it just can't be. It can't be a reality. Um, And then, like, Jay, you know, Sammy's biggest critic you know, finally accepts him into the group, you know, and then when it's time, you know, for the bloodline to take out Sammy for his betrayal, Jay refuses, you know, even though he just witnessed what Sammy's done, you know, something that he predicted from the start. But at that point, like he's fallen in love with Sammy. He, you know, he considers him family. So he, he chooses to walk away. He can't bring himself to do it. Like, he's literally the guy who defended Sammy at his trial, where just like a couple months ago, he was ready to cut Sammy's throat. (laughs) Um, Just, I mean, like, 
it's just another wrinkle to the story that I didn't see coming because now it's kind of like, well, what's going on with the bloodline? Like, you know, I'm assuming eventually Jay is going to join back with his family, but who knows? I mean, a lot of people just assume that like, oh, well, this is all going to lead to Kevin and Sammy, you know, taking the tag team titles off of the Usos, um, you know, and, and that probably still is going to happen. I'm guessing that's going to be at Mania. But we do know that there's a rumor going around that uh, in Montreal, uh, Sammy's hometown, he's going to get a title match against Roman. And that's before Mania. Um, obviously, I don't foresee Sammy winning the belt. But at this point, I wouldn't be surprised by anything, honestly. I mean, that'd be a huge pile. Oh, my God. <laughs> Especially if he he comes out to his old music, Christian. Because right now he, uh-huh. he he hasn't used that music in a long fucking time. So I mean, oh, I mean, like if he fucking shaves the beard and like goes back to like the original like you know look and everything, it comes uh-huh. out doing his ska like march and everything like that. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's good stuff, Christian. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I, you know what what I first see happening is like. Sammy ends up like losing the match, like the bloodline like jumps him at the end, and then like Kevin Owens comes out and makes the big save, and like Sammy and Kevin reunite, you know, in Montreal, you know, and then you know they join forces, and that's when they end up challenging the Usos, you know, for the tag titles at Mania. That's probably where they're headed, but I don't know. Like, you know, I, I've made predictions like that with the storyline in the past, and I've been completely wrong. And what they've delivered has actually been better than what, you know, everyone's been predicting. So um, I, I can't wait to see what they have in store for us. Now, the Montreal show, is that a regular show or is that um, Elimination Chamber? Yeah, no, it's the Chamber. Gotcha. Because, yeah, I, I, I saw rumors of uh, Sami Zayn having a big match at elimination chamber so i was like okay maybe that's the montreal yeah and i kind of assumed at the time that it was going to be him in the chamber um Mm. but now we found out uh this week on raw that the men's elimination chamber match is going to be for the u.s title i'm just curious to see exactly how they get to roman versus sammy because i mean there's no way roman sees sammy as a worthy challenger unless he wants to you know make an example out of him um so i don't know i don't know i don't know at this point it feels like anything could be possible because i don't i don't know if you want roman to only like his first loss to be to cody because i mean it makes sense if you it'd be the bigger moment for cody if he's the first person to get a win but man would it be great to get those titles separated this way by you have sammy taking one and cody taking the other that'd be crazy yeah i agree um but it definitely feels like Roman's first loss has to be at Mania, right? Like, it has to be on the biggest yeah. stage possible. Um, unless WWE just decides to ride the hot hand. Um, and they feel like this is the bigger storyline right now. And honestly, it is. I mean, all the metrics suggest that. So, I honestly wouldn't be surprised either way. Uh, you know, I feel like they'll probably stay the course, but... But I wouldn't be too upset either if they decided to change direction. I mean, it's WrestleMania season. Vince McMahon's looming around. You never know. Roman might just come out w- a winner, go for a whole nother year. 
Yeah, especially if they have some kind of guarantee from The Rock that, you know, he'll do next year's yeah. WrestleMania. <laughs> that is also a strong possibility. Well, that's WWE for you. <laughs> that is, and that's going to also be The Amazing Nerd Show because we're desperately out of time, Christian. We'll be back next week. We'll, we'll definitely jump back into the thick of things with AEW Dynamite. So, But with, you know, WrestleMania season upon us and WWE actually firing on all cylinders right now, well, kind of. Um, we felt it'd only be right that we, you know, talk a little Royal Rumble this week. Well, that does it for this week. As a friendly reminder, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're there, leave a five-star review. It really helps new listeners to find the podcast and for us to continue to grow. Also, if you like the stories from this week's episode and want to keep up to date with the show, follow us on social media at Amazing Nerd Show or stop by TheAmazingNerdShow.com. And hey, to support the show further and get additional weekly content, you can subscribe to us now on Patreon. Just follow the link in the show notes. Also, if you want to rep some nerd show swag you can head over to tpublic.com to find t-shirts hoodies stickers and more and if you post what you bought and tag us on social media we'll send you some additional nerd show swag as long as you live in the united states all right make sure to join us next week as we talk all the latest news and rumors in nerd culture and whatever's going on in the world of wrestling my name's christian and my name's david and that was the amazing nerd show I don't remember any Milton. Fuck! He has been with us the whole time! Somebody named Milton has been with us the whole time? Yes! I don't think so. I think I would have noticed if a guy named Milton's been with us. It's, It's not a very common name. I don't think I've ever even met Milton.